Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHKs I'm known, and so many things up for review this week. This isn't even technically everything that came out, but there are four things up for review to start with, beginning with House of Gucci, which is based on the real-life Gucci family, who you probably know and associate with fashion, and the drama that surrounded them. It's directed by Ridley Scott and stars Lady Gaga, Adam Driver, Jeremy Irons, Al Pacino, and Jared Leto. And then there's Bruised, which is out on Netflix. That is Halle Berry's directorial debut. That is a fighting UFC film. Then there's The Humans, which, then there's the humans, which is the adaptation of a Tony Award-winning play. It stars Amy Schumer, Steven Yeun, and Beanie Feldstein. And finally, there's the latest Marvel series, Hawkeye, out on Disney+. First up is House of Gucci, or as I like to refer to it, it's a me, Gucci, because that is the quality level of accent that they do in the film the entire time. I wish I was exaggerating. It is directed by Ridley Scott, who has been freshly complaining that nobody saw his last film, the recently released The Last Duel, because uh, he was blaming millennials. And after seeing House of Gucci, I'm like, mm, I don't think it's millennials' fault. I think it's because you're making not that great of films. It's based on the true story of the Gucci family. It stars, of course, Lady Gaga, which is probably why most people are going to go see this film. It's probably why I went to see this film. And I wasn't familiar with the story of Gucci. I am not well versed in the world of fashion, I guess, and also fashion house politics. Uh, so Lady Gaga plays Patrizia Reggiani, who it was a woman who obviously was not in the Gucci family to start. She meets a young Maurizio Gucci. I cannot resist doing the accent because I, I have to say this is not a spoiler, but you know, this film takes place in Italy and from the get-go, they start doing this accented English, and I'm like, okay, if you're going to make the choice not to have them speak Italian, which, fine, you know, you're targeting a, a global audience, and those types of films tend to be in English, why are you having them do these grossly exaggerated accents? Because presumably, you know, let's say there's like a universal translator, right, and they would just be speaking to each other in plain English, and it would be the audience's job to connect the dots that, yes, they're actually speaking Italian, but instead they go this really exaggerated Mario Brothers-esque accent. But anyway, Lady Gaga slash Patrizia meets Maurizio Gucci, played by Adam Driver, and I gotta say, this is the happiest I've ever seen Adam Driver in a performance and role. He smiles a lot in this in a not sort of scary girl's way, and I was very taken aback by it, but... Uh, basically the two of them meet the first third of the film is like a love story and then family politics get involved Maurizio wants to be a lawyer he doesn't necessarily want to be a part of the Gucci empire his father is played by Jeremy Irons his uncle is played by Al Pacino his cousin is played by Jared Leto and I had forgotten that Jared Leto was in this movie Jared Leto is in this full-on ridiculous but slightly impressive you know prosthetic full body thing and uh, Jared plays a, a character called Paolo Gucci and I was sitting there just being like, this is the most absurd caricature I've seen in a movie in a long time. And because of that, I was weirdly somewhat having fun. It, I think maybe because I didn't realize it was Jared. And at the end, I my friend reminded me that that was him. And I was like, no, he wasn't in this movie. What are you talking about? And one of my notes had been to look up what absurd, terrible actor they had cast in this role. And then realizing that it's not just a sort of bumbling actual Italian man, it's Jared Leto, I, it kind of undermined the experience for me. But anyway, so the first third of the movie is this uh, romance, you know, her, she's not good enough for the family type story. And then it turns into this family politics business thriller type thing that gets kind of dry at times but then it keeps interjecting these super melodramatic moments with Lady Gaga about their you know her and Adam Driver's relationship and then I think my 
actual favorite part of the film is Selma Hayek plays a psychic who Patricia slash Lady Gaga sees on TV and decides to make into her personal psychic friend and so the scenes between the two of them feel like they're in an entirely different movie but I would also like to watch that movie instead. The film is two hours and 37 minutes and you could have shaved probably 37 minutes off of it or what I would have liked to see out of it is a miniseries because I think in a similar tone and ironically dealing with a very similar subject matter, the assassination of Gianni Versace was a really good example of something that was clearly obsessed with the fashion and the style and all of that stuff but also was telling a character development and how people became embroiled in each other's lives and then how it fell apart in an organic feeling way but this is simultaneously trying to cram a lot of things in and rush through things but also spends way too long on other parts of it now I still had a decent time at it but I also almost fell asleep during multiple parts and I will say that part of it is because I'm still pretty jet lagged from a trip but part of it's just because you probably want to fall asleep at parts I don't think Ridley Scott set out to make as absurd of a movie as he did. I think, you know, he realizes that the the story itself has some melodramatic moments to it, but I don't think he set out to make like an Italian telenovela, but that is what he made. And so if you like camp, and if you watch the trailer and you go, this is going to be absurd, this is absolutely for me, you might have a good time at this. But if you were there looking for, you know, a serious look, look at the downfall of a fashion and business empire, this is not what you were going to get served. So I think if you go into it eyes open, you know, <laughs> The thing that pops into my head keeps being The Room, but a much obviously a much better quality of actors in it, but it's still that sort of almost not self-aware level that it becomes almost a parody of itself. And those are actually sometimes fun movies to see, but again, I think this is billing itself as a very serious film. But any hopes it had at being taken seriously as that had just been washed away by the bodysuits and the absurd accents and a lot of the acting choices and the direction and the ridiculously bloated runtime. The runtime is about as bloated as Jared Leto's fat suit. So be aware of that. I know plenty of people are going to see this anyway and have a good time. And again, I actually didn't have a terrible time watching it, but I don't think it's the film that he set out to make. So be aware of that going in. I personally am going to give it 2.9 out of 5. I'm going to take a quick break and be right back. And I'm back. The next film I have is called Bruised and it is out on Netflix and it is Halle Berry's directorial debut. She also stars in it and it's a movie about a woman who was an MMA fighter and then leaves the sport and is down on her luck and her struggle to get back into it. And we have seen this movie a hundred times before and I think the only things that are different about this movie is uh, sometimes it depends on but the the gender you know like it's it's rocky with ladies in some senses and the race where it's creed but with ladies so I guess it's creed with ladies and I think it relies way 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 too heavily on the tropes of those types of sports films it's my understanding that this story was originally written to be starring a white woman and that Halle Berry convinced them to make it her which I think is you know a, a novel-ish choice but but at the same time like it does not the story make and it does not uniqueness make and and Halle Berry looks absolutely fantastic in this you know age aside she is fitter than I will probably ever be in my entire life so credit where credit is due there but the film is so obsessed with showing this off and trying to make her gritty and dirty and beaten down at points but it's really hard to do that with Halle Berry and I would have been interested to see what would have happened if Halle Berry had directed someone else in this role honestly is what it came down to there are a couple of Halle Berry tricks in it that we've seen her do before and therefore it makes the character feel not like a unique 
unique character. It's just sort of an amalgamation of stereotypes that we've seen. And some of them we've seen, and some of those performances we've seen from her. Just watching it, the thoughts running through my head were, could this movie have repackaged any more stereotypes than it jammed into it. Again, I get it. A lot of sports movies are not reinventing the wheel. They are drawing from classic cinema sports tropes. And this is not the worst film to be guilty of this. But at the same time, I feel like somebody took the script for, let's say, Rocky and went, okay, let's just flip every type of casting on its head. You know, let's make her trainer a woman. And her trainer is this sort of zen out black woman who's played by Sheila Atim. And she literally at points is like meditating in the film and doling out sage advice and just always has these monologues that are exactly what Halle Berry's character would need to hear at points and I all I could think was like oh my god you are playing into to quote Spike Lee the super duper magical negro stereotype or magical black man except for it's a magical black woman and I'm like you know if you are a black filmmaker making a film is it a trope but yeah the character is still a trope and I'm not saying the coach should have been a white coach but just having the coach be a mystical figure who just always has these well-packaged monologues that are just right that was the part that felt really tired to me like I didn't feel like I was watching a character I felt like I was watching a fortune cookie and then there are a couple of twists with twists I say that in quotes with a character that I won't spoil that I literally was just like you spun the wheel of diversity and that's what you landed on and I just ugh. and then this film is two hours and 12 minutes it feels long it spends so much time on the actual fighting so if you don't like UFC and down and dirty gritty you know bloodied whatever absolutely not gonna be for you but it was it didn't need to be that long it was obsessed with trying to show like hey watch Halle Berry take some punches and watch Halle Berry dole out some things and watch her get like brutally kicked in the stomach and and also like the lady parts and all this stuff it's just like this is uh, almost felt like torture porn in some senses I just I wanted to support this film because I actually do like sports movies and I come from a fighting background and I always want to support women directors but I just I found almost nothing redeeming about this film aside from Halle Berry's physical fitness in it so unfortunately I'm only going to give this two out of five next up is a film called The Humans it's out on Showtime and also in theaters and it stars Amy Schumer Beanie Feldstein Stephen Yoon Richard Jenkins Jane Howdyshell and June Squibb and it's written and directed by Stephen Karam who also wrote the play that is based on because yes it is an adaptation of a play and it very much feels like this and I talked about this recently with something like Tick Tick Boom where it's like okay well if you're going to adapt something from stage to screen does it make sense that you're adapting it to the screen are you taking advantage of all of the things you know all of the lack of constraints that being a film has to offer or would you have been better suited doing something like Hamilton did where you actually just film a play right and and I don't know if this needed to be a film and sitting there watching it I was like I think I would have maybe enjoyed this as a play where I'm sort of captive and there's that live energy to it but watching it on screen it was missing something for me it takes place over Thanksgiving at an apartment in Manhattan and Amy Schumer and Beanie Feldstein play the daughters of Richard Jenkins and Jane Howdyshell and Stephen Yoon is Beanie Feldstein's boyfriend slash fiance partner significant other June Squibb plays Richard Jenkins mother who is not well in it which I think is the part that got me the most I think if you miss the drama of your family Thanksgiving like if you're not able to travel this year and yet you actually secretly enjoy that type of discourse and politics coming up and people judging you for every aspect of your life maybe this will fill that void if that type of stuff makes your skin crawl then this is absolutely not the film for you you know the first half of it I was pretty bored honestly and then the drama sort of starts to kick in halfway through and I was like all right 
this is a little bit better, but I just kept thinking to myself, I would have just loved to not have the barrier of a screen between us if I was seeing this. I think it would have made it that much more powerful. There are a couple of things they do in it that go back to the Chekhov's gun principle, where if in the first act you have a hung pistol on the wall, then in the following one, it should be fired. Otherwise, don't put it there. And I feel like maybe they just went wild with like, oh my god, we can show all these insert shots and all these things, but it leads to a false sense of drama, and I kept waiting for them to pay off, and they never did. So if you're going to make a film and you're going to rely on certain film tropes, and I would even say, you know, this applies to the rules of the stage. I, there are times when defying them is clever, but there are times when you just leave the audience going, why did you do that in the first place? Like, why spend so much time on this thing only to have it peter out and fizzle out? The performances are fine. I think everyone in it is a very solid actor, but I didn't feel like anything super excelled to me. M- much in the way, there's a certain type of play where, you know, it's just like formulaic in that you know in the third act or the second act, somebody's going to make some declaration that came out of nowhere that brings drama to it. and you're like this was where did this come from like what what are you doing here this is that type of play I do think this film is going to be for some people but I think it's also not going to be for a larger majority of the people especially given the timing of the holidays and and you know you might be experiencing your own family drama or you might be missing it or whatever it is as I said if you are looking to fill that gap and you want that sort of almost nostalgia for the, the, the for better for worse family at Thanksgiving moments this is the film for you if not, stay far, far, far away from it. I'm going to give it 3.4 out of 5. And then finally, this is probably more of a reminder than a review, because if you were intending on watching this, you have already probably watched it by now, but just in case you've forgotten, the first two episodes of Hawkeye are now out on Disney+. Plus. Now, Hawkeye is probably one of my least favorite Avengers. Jeremy Renner is problematic. The character itself is underwhelming to me, but damn, did I actually really, really enjoy the first few episodes. You know, I there are so many things that I shouldn't have liked about it or that just are like at odds with where I want the Marvel Universe to be progressing to. You know, the current mantle of Hawkeye on Clint Barton, straight white man, Haley Steinfeld. Yes, a woman totally into that, but the character comes from a super affluent, privileged background. You know, Haley Steinfeld, for the most part, comes from a Caucasian background. I think she has some diversity in her lineage somewhere, but generally speaking, wouldn't categorize her as like person of color. Uh, it also stars Vera Farmiga, Tony Dalton, Alakwa Cox, who will probably be a saving grace at some point for me. It takes place around Christmas, which is a holiday I don't celebrate. You know, there are so many factors that I was like, ugh. I don't, I don't love this. And yet, I really, really enjoyed it. I felt like Haley Steinfeld is just very magnetic in it. I think the writing is really fun. Much like how with Black Widow, I was like, oh, I am here for Florence Pugh. With Hawkeye, I am definitely here for Haley Steinfeld's character. And again, Alakwa Cox, but we don't get a lot of her in the first two episodes. And I have to just give a huge shout out to, I think tonally this speaks a lot to where the show is sort of headed. They expand upon the Avengers the musical or Steve Rogers the musical scene we got for a brief moment in another film. And they do a whole song and dance with it. And I was just like, oh, this is where the show's at? I'm on board. You know, there are a lot of moments where I think it's sort of self-aware about the absurdity of some of the things that take place in the Marvel Universe. That is my favorite type of Marvel project. We will see where it goes. I don't think it'll dethrone WandaVision as my favorite Disney Plus streaming Marvel show, but I, I really did have a good time watching the first two episodes. So as a reminder, that is out streaming now. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.